0: Embrace the flavor of life.
1: The way I see it is you've got two choices. You can either keep pretending like nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, and then when it does, you're saying, "Uh uh-oh, or you can get ahead of what's coming, so that when it does, not if, You're ready for it. And you're sitting pretty, sipping on Mai Tais next to the pool, working on that Caribbean suntan, because you got it covered. So folks, it's time for you to learn the truth about money. It's time for you to take back control of your money so that you are ready for what's about to happen. By doing that, you're setting yourself up for absolute success. No matter what comes your way, you're ready for it. And that's what I want for you, and I wanna help you with that. So go to chrisnoggle.com and sign up for the Wealth Webinar. We do them every Wednesday at 1 p.m., and you need to be there, because it's time. For over 90 years, we've been crash testing our cars in the tireless pursuit of
2: automotive safety. At Volvo, safety's been first since 1927 we've saved millions of lives with the invention of the three-point seatbelt in
1: 1959 at volvo we've made driving safer for you and them visit safety.finleyvolvo.com to learn more so they say if you give a man a gun he'll rob a bank but if you give a man a bank He'll rob everybody. The good news for you is Private Money Club runs solely on peer-to-peer relationships, which means no banks allowed. So finally, there's a community for real estate entrepreneurs where it is truly a win-win solution. This community is a place where you can connect with other lenders and other borrowers, and the end results, massive growth for you. You get to build your real estate empire, and you get to do it solving other people's problems. So if that sounds like a place want to be well then join us go to privatemoneyclub.com forward slash kelly and if you want 500 bucks off just add the code kelly500 and i'll knock 500 bucks off the premier membership we'll see you on the inside
2: Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, you're going to hear about perseverance. Uh, you're going to hear about relationships. You're going to hear about locking in and and that there's a time for every single purpose that there is that uh, on this planet. And this man that I got a chance to become friends with, I'm going to force him to be my friend for the rest of his life. Uh, April uh, 24th, 2020 is the first time that I reached out to him. I reached out to him because I I connected with him on Instagram and I wanted him on the show because not all the things that he did, but I saw him the way that he connected with his family, the way that he loved his wife, and oh, by the way, he did a lot of really cool things also. Um, So I want to ask you the question, every one of you out there. What do you think that Friends, Third Rock from the Sun, the Dixie Chicks, uh, CMT, the Weather Channel, and the Tennessee Titans all have in common? (laughs) I bet you can't guess it. uh, It it comes down to two words, Lance Smith. This man is an absolute powerhouse, and when you feel his energy here in a second, you'll see why I've been chasing after him for almost four years. And I I think one of the coolest things in in getting to uh, know him through researching what he's been doing is the relationships and realizing that if you're ready at the right time, then great things happen. And when you step through the doors that get open to you, it's incredible. So it's my honor, my pleasure, uh, my new friend for the rest of my life to be able to have on the show. And he is the voice of the, uh, he says he's the voice of the fans. I say he's the voice of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, This man is an absolute legend. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Lance Smith.
0: Hey, thank you so much for that really warm introduction, Kelly, who's now my friend for the rest of my life. I, I'm down with that. Yes. Well, Lance, uh, it's a long time coming, man. Long I'm time telling
2: coming. you, dude, four years, man. I mean, well, it's almost four years, but I, I've told people in the past, my, my parents told me um, that I had the spirit of Jacob, which <laughs> meant that I was going to grab onto something. And even if you broke my hip, my leg, my ankle, whatever it was, I wasn't going to let go until I got it. And that's what I'm doing with your friendship, man.
0: I love it. I love it. It's a way to be. I mean, you kind of have to be in life, right? If you want anything, if you want anything, don't you have to like not just go after it, but reach for it and grab it and hold on? No, it's great, man. Thank you. So, so,
2: Lance, one of the most fascinating things is I grew up in a place called Lompoc, California, and um, in near Vandenberg Air Force Base, on Vandenberg Air Force Base and, and near it. Um, our friends were still the same friends since we were in fourth grade. And a lot of people asked, you know, how can you keep these friends? And it was because I had to move. Every two and a half to three years, we we're in a different residence. We we're constantly moving. You were on the move, and you used it as your superpower. Can you share with us about that? Because I think it's so so. Because a lot of times people see it as a weakness
0: yeah uh, well thank you and that that is it's sort of what shaped me um so i'm glad you brought that up because that's why i'm here that's why i do what i do oh by the way mike keith is the voice of the titans now he's the man <laughs> i'm merely just the voice of the fans by the way the Vot, as we call him mike keith we can we love mike keith no um no kelly it's it's the same so yeah well uh, they they called you guys uh army brats or navy brat, depending on your, your the service but I ran into a lot of those kids moving up, moving around too. But when I was growing up, I grew up predominantly in the South in Franklin, Tennessee, but we moved back there a lot. I moved into that town four times. I lived all over Tennessee. I also lived in Georgia. I lived in Hawaii. I lived in North Carolina. This is all during my, my school years. And the thing that I realized early on, I mean, I had been in four or five different schools by the time I was in the second grade, I quickly quickly learned as a kid that we are all just character types, you know, and the older we get, the more we, we're, we're affirmed in these types, these, these characters, uh, and we all play them, you know, And we, to, to this day, we all do this, um, And it's, you know, we are products of nature and nurture, and this is something I learned in psychology in high school, but I already had an innate sense of it because growing up, I understood that, you know, you are, you are half your DNA from your parents and you're also half whatever the environment throws at you and shapes you to be. So in moving a lot, I kept having to reinvent myself. I kept having to reintroduce myself. Oftentimes as a kid, especially a teenager in middle school, whatnot, you know, you go over the line too much. Not, not, not that character too much, not that character. I was that kid. Uh, But by the time I got out of high school and was ending high school and I, I recognized what I wanted to be in life. I was trying, taking that my, my knowledge of character study and human behavior that I had just learned over time through moving. I wanted to apply that to film. I, I, love characters i love story and so it was my moving all over creation watching my father work a room my dad is the original foghorn leghorn um i was like i can i can make a business of this
2: (laughs) so talk to me too because i think that this is a a thing that a lot of people struggle with they set out on one mission right Mm -hmm. and even Mm -hmm. though That mission doesn't go exactly the way that they want it to. They try and force that thing. You are an example of you set out on a path, (laughs) and that path was not straight at all. We were talking about that before we started recording, but it's one of the things that I admire most about you because you have taken every single opportunity, and you just made the best
0: of it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes gets yes. You know, work begets work. That's the whole thing. And I tell, I I teach acting now. I coach actors, uh, you know, along with directing. And then my passion is what they're doing because I did it. Uh, And it is, it's like, I tell them, you know, get in this game and you have a light that's sort of pulling you. You want that thing, but your want of that thing is, is what's propelling you. It's your want of it, your desire of it, your need for it, whatever it is in your life, you're filling that. But the light is not, it. it's your want of the light that's thrusting you forward. And when, you know, along the way, especially in, in a career like this, opportunities show up. I wanted to be an actor, but there was an audition to be a host. I'll give that a shot, <laughs> I can talk to the camera. Have you ever run a teleprompter? Yes, and I tell my actors that in this profession, it is okay to lie. How old are you? However old do you need me to be? You, you lie all the time in auditions. It's the one area that God says it's cool. It's cool. Just get the job. Um, and I, I told them I knew how to read a teleprompter. I didn't. I, I mean, he's like, how hard could it be? Turns out it's kind of difficult sometimes. Uh, ear prompter. Yeah, sure. Bring it to me. I've done that before. No, I hadn't. But, you know, my dad, it was my dad that always that told me, that first told me in life, and you, know, you hear it later, is act like you've been there. And so that's what I did at every audition, at every, you know, opportunity was yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I've, I've done this before. I've got it. And, uh, and so, yeah, you, you, you take the open doors. Now I I will say, um, my later on, my, my desire, my want, my need, I'm still an actor. I'm still an actor. I'm pushing for it. I'm pushing for it. I, I, I got ahead. I got over from the tips of my skis, as they say. And, uh, I, you know, things kind of went wonky for me and I had to get back to center and like, okay, let's, let's be open to opportunity again. Because that's when I was at my most, uh, my happiest in my career was when I was, open to opportunity and walking through those doors and not always forcing it, forcing
2: it. <laughs> Lance, how, do, how does a person who's setting out to be an actor end up the face of CMT, emceeing for the Dixie Chicks, and yeah. then on the Weather Channel and the voice of the fans for the
0: Tennessee Titans? <laughs> to, to keep it <laughs> short and all all like combined, <laughs> it's just knowing the audience, man it's knowing who the audience is knowing what the brand wants to say to the audience. And as a host, you're the conduit, you're the conduit for their message. Uh, you are the vessel, you know, you represent the brand and understanding CMT, the CMT audience was easy. I grew up in Franklin, Tennessee. I grew up watching CMT and MTV and VH one. That was my babysitter. So, Getting the job with CMT uh, led to the Weather Channel job. That's the thing; is like once you have a high profile enough on camera position, other jobs come calling. Same thing with CMT. People behind the scene, or not CMT, but with the Titans, people behind the scenes uh, were aware of me. I knew some of them, and they had an opening. And they said, "You know, he'd be great for this." This guy. So you know, in this business, if you can make a big enough splash early on, that'll the, that the ripples, the waves will carry you some. But in order to do the job well once you get there, is you have to know the audience. You have to know who they are, what they want, what they don't want, <laughs> and and cater to them in a way without pandering. Mm. Audiences audiences know when they're when they're being pandered to. And, you know, you, you get close to it sometimes, uh, with depending on the job the messaging. But you can't pander. That's the thing. It's like you have to respect them. Speak to the core, the center, and uh, and be real. Be of them, you know. And so, when I walked away from CMT, I just I had, I had had enough. I realized like this is not who I am. This is not who I am now. I am grateful for the opportunity, but I I have we have diverged in our paths, and uh, you know I, I needed a change. I made the change, and so any time in my, my life that I've needed to make that change, it's always been because I've grown out of it. And, uh, and if, you, if you are a host, and I tell this to my actors, if you're a host, and this is very important for everyone watching, listening, that, that wants to speak to any audience. If, if you are a host and you're on camera versus being an actor, the two different things are, as a host, you are delivering from your face and your mind. It's all projected, it's all direct, what I'm doing to you right now, staring down the barrel of the lens. Uh, But what you're giving is you're attaching this face, your name, your identity to the brand. And that logo is probably on the screen somewhere. Maybe it's a little bug at the bottom. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy brought me on stage one time to present an award at one of the CMT Music Awards. And I'll never forget his line, the writers wrote. And now coming to the stage, a guy whose face is on the network more than the logo. Because I was. I hosted every show for CMT. You have to recognize that it's brain and face. Now, acting, Mm -hmm. acting comes from the heart and the soul and the gut. And you have to forget that this thing even exists. You have to forget that you honor the audience by giving them your truth and living truthfully in the moment. That's what acting is. But you have to disengage completely from the crowd. So that's the difference between hosting and acting. But when you host, you are of that brand and it is of you so you have to respect that and it can't just be i'm the mouthpiece for what brand is it? ritz crackers i'm the mouthpiece for you know you can't you gotta be like i am mr ritz crackers <laughs> i don't know why i use that brand overture. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're actually gonna have them as a sponsor coming soon right would be good I mean, uh, well, get, my, my son likes kill ritz crackers, crackers. <laughs> uh, that'll be good <laughs> how, how do you not lose yourself as you go through this, Lance, because you talked about some of the transitions, even before we uh, started recording, um, you let me know that I got to spend time with you today in an interesting time in your life. But when you're Mm -hmm. an on-air host, you're the face of CMT, you're the MC for the Dixie Chicks, do over Mm -hmm. a thousand, let me say that again, over a thousand shows. Yeah. And now you're the voice of the fans for the greatest team that has ever been let me mention that's the Tennessee Titans by the way I just wanted to let you know
0: that's right that's right okay
2: but how do you not lose yourself when you're playing to the audience
0: Mm, I mean I, I think I sometimes do lose myself I lose myself you know in the the hype of it uh so I was done with on camera because I, I really I needed to get back to creating film. And when CMT, or CMT, I keep doing that again. Titans came, call, came calling. Um, it was it was an easy, it was an easy yes to that gig because I'm like, oh, but this I I, I bleed two tone blue. I'm a huge Tennessee Titans fan. Uh, so I, I that job is just losing yourself. But I guess you do it with, you know, you do it with your own internal parameters you know hype it up within these parameters but as far as like not losing yourself overall in the gig I don't know I I I think you have to um keep your distance you have to not let it get bigger than you um I remember at my height of CMT I get that part right I of my time with CMT I I had I was finding myself like going away a lot, being alone a lot, and I I, I realized I needed to make a separation then. Um, So I don't know. It's just keep what's important in front of you. Now it's easy. Now it's easy because my family is the number one most important thing in my life. So it's like, Mm -hmm. just keep them in front of me and everything's gravy.
2: Well, I I think one of the coolest things too is the the relationship side because you just said, Mm -hmm. you know, when the Titans came calling, you knew a couple of people. Let's go back though. Let's go back to Mm -hmm. the Dixie Chicks part. Um, yeah. when, that, when that arose, how did it arise? Take us there. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're working as an actor. How does, mm-hmm. the, I mean, that doesn't even, again, it doesn't align. But that's what I love about it is because there's so many times where people think that the success or their path has to be linear as opposed mm-hmm. to going with what it is.
0: Yeah, you do have to have a really great sense of blind faith going into uh, the entertainment business uh what do you mean an actor if you're auditioning for things i mean you have to have you have to have a greater a great sense of self awareness know what you truly give off know what you're truly delivering um but then you have to fully commit and so you know when i got the dixie chicks gig i had done some small things but getting that was you know a big audition and i remember going into the audition and it was, you know, there was a script. They call them sides. You read the sides, and it, it's a bunch of hype words. Like we're, you're bringing the girls on stage, basically, is the way the script read out. And I'll, you know, what I applied in that moment was the same thing that you know I tell my actors to apply, even though they're two different, uh, two different methods of getting to your audience. One is very direct. One is just living in the moment. But it is about fully, fully committing. I asked my boss when I got the chicks job why me? And he said, he said, cause you kept running off camera, uh, that my energy was so exciting. See, I, I was breaking rules. Like when you audition, there's a T mark and you stand on it and you stay within the frame and you, you don't, but basically like, if this is a frame, I was like, ah, ah. and he was like, we couldn't stop laughing. But he said, but when you, when you got into the camera, into the lens, you are so committed and, and so alive. So any job you do you just, you have, I mean, I can't say that word enough commit because what is the point of get, if you get up there and, and you know, I tell people when I'm working with them coaching them on emceeing and stuff, like I'm a not, I'm not a technically a good MC. I'm technically not a good anything. I break all the rules. I do all the wrong things. Uh, but 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 if the if the audience believes that you believe it, if you believe it, they believe it, that's it. Everything else you can refine, you know? Um, but if you get on stage and you're like, hey guys, aren't we really happy to be here? Are we happy? Like you're not talking to third graders. You gotta <laughs> believe that you are first happy to be here. You gotta believe that whatever you're hosting, whatever you're doing is like, this is for me. I'm glad y'all could be here too. But this is this football game is mine. I'm glad you sixty-two thousand people could join me in this game that they're playing for me, or this concert that they're putting on for me. I'm glad y'all could be here too. That's it, man. It's um, so every job I've ever done, I'm just like, okay, I'm in the audience. I'm in the audience. I'm in the audience. What do I want to see? Who I, who do I want to talk to me? How do I want them to talk to me? I want them to be me. So that's it, man. Be truthful. Be truthful in your approach. Be the audience. Respect them. Don't pander. Mm. Um, but, it, but, you know, when I say don't pander, it doesn't mean you can't go wild. It doesn't mean you can't lose your mind, <laughs> but it's got to be real. It's got to come from a place of realness.
2: Well, yeah. I, think, I think it's such a cool thing because going to Titans games and, you know, growing up on the um, – growing up an Oilers fan – from when I was yeah. six, I was never around any Oilers fans because I lived in Idaho, Utah, Florida, and California. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that, those aren't places where they are. And I remember going for the first time. And I remember uh, it was three years ago when we beat the Chiefs, right? And we, Oh, good game. Hey, we handed Patrick Mahomes the only game in the history of his career where he didn't throw a touchdown. And that yeah. was because of the Titans. And I was yeah. there, and I remember – Hearing your voice and hearing those things. Like, it was unbelievable because when you're saying it now, it makes so much sense. I could tell that you believed and that you were a real fan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it comes across. I don't know. couldn't do it in either way. Like, I couldn't. Now, granted, like, could I do that job for any other team in the NFL? Honestly, my professionalism, yes. Would I want to? No. Will I ever? No. Uh, like i wouldn't jacksonville forget about it you know but um you know could i i would apply the same method you know but in tennessee it's just it's far more genuine because it's so real and i mean i I mess up a lot of times because i'm such a fan we were doing a bit one time where uh, i had to play a game with some fans uh we're down the south end zone on the field timeout and i've got these two fans here and luckily it was a bit like, it was a setup. Like, whether win or lose, the game didn't matter. They were getting gifted something from the Titans. So it was a setup. But the setup was we were playing a game. However, prior to us going to the commercial break, we know. We get an idea, okay, next next timeout, next whatever timeout, we're going to break. Like, okay. But unfortunately, right before this moment, I'm in the south end zone, and it's a goal line stand. It's a fourth down goal line stand on our, our defenses up against the wall. And they hold. They hold, crowd's going nuts. So am I, I scream with or without a mic. I don't care if the camera's on me, I'm in the game and the boys are like 10 feet away from me. We just had a goal line stand. I couldn't breathe, Kelly. I had lost my mind, my voice, my breath, everything. And, And I'm like, ah, beating my chest. And I hear Duke was our PA announcer at the time. Let's throw it down to Lance on the field. Lance, who are you with? And I'm going, uh, 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 and I can't, I, no, I can't. And these poor people are just standing there like not knowing what to do. And I'm just like, let's have a game. Roll the tape. And I'd screwed up the moment. And it's because I'm just too big of a fan. So I should probably rein it in sometimes, but you know, <laughs> How do you
2: know when it's time to, to switch when you're done? You know, when you said your, your transitions have been amazing from the acting world, Dixie Chicks, CMT, oh. the Weather Channel, you know, uh, coming into the Titans and then um, staying with the Titans. You have the show for six seasons. You and Eddie George do it. Um, yeah. And then you say, like, I want to go behind the camera. But you seem so peaceful. Every single time you talk about the the thing where a lot of us, the audience, mm-hmm. when we go to transition, we just don't let go we want to keep pulling it back we want to say, oh my gosh, what could have been what should have been and then they live in that but you seem to not do that how do you do that
0: uh, you know I don't know if my answer is right or if it's the one that people should hear uh, a lot some of it I was I will say and I'll admit it I don't know that I've ever really thought about it that much until now I think some of it's out of fear um I left CMT in a weird way going back to then you know 10 years I was their original sort of VJ Katie Cook's still there what's up Katie uh and she's killing it and she's loving it and she's a musician you know that's her that's her world but for me again I had mentioned I'd grown apart and I'll never forget my my executives at the time, pulling me in and different meetings, asking me to stay I had a three-year contract on the table, money on the table. I was making really ridiculous money for somebody who didn't go to college. And I, it's the voice in my head. Um, that's how you do it. You, you have to listen to that voice and that, because that voice has, has said some strange things to me throughout my career. I've made weird decisions. Um, you got to listen to that voice in your head honestly. Um, I, I left money on the table. I left a big contract on the table. Why not stay with that job? Because it wasn't truly me anymore. Yeah. I'd, I had to believe in myself. What did I want? I still was saying acting. Cause that's all I knew about film. It was all about film. It wasn't acting. It was acting is the only thing I knew how to do. Right. I, I, I never said I wanted to be a director, even though I look back on my love of film and oh, it wasn't the actors. It was the filmmakers. It was the directors. Um, So it was always listening to that voice. I would always walk away when I felt, when I felt I had done all I could do. And that all that was left of me was an echo of what I had done. And I think maybe that's the answer. I think when you start recognizing that you're just pumping out echoes I didn't want to be that. You know, I was I was on a trajectory, Kelly, um, you know, the Ryan Seacrest path. The, I was just behind Carson Daly. Like, I was doing that thing at the peak of my CMT time. I, I jokingly say I couldn't. There wasn't a Walmart in Arkansas I couldn't go into without getting mobbed. <laughs> uh, country music crowd. Um, but I was very uneasy. I, I, You know, my parents, we'd go out to dinner. I'd meet them out. And my dad really liked his son, you know, being, and I don't, of course I don't blame him. I'd be proud too, but he would mention it to the, to the, to the, you know, to the waiter, waitress, you know, who that is I'm like, dad, keep it down. I didn't like fame. Um, because all I felt people were seeing of me was what I showed them. But when I was out in public, it was like, ah, but this is just me. What you're seeing is real me. What I present to you is really, but it's a version. It's a, it's a fine tuned, fair, crafted, version of me. So at the ends of all these things, you're saying, how do you transition? It's when I realize, like, Oh, I'm just echoing that, that character that I made. And, and it's not filling my soul anymore. And you know, I tried so many different things. And when I was on the, uh, the daily buzz is something we haven't talked about. It's a, it was a morning infotainment news show. It was nationally syndicated. We were in 96, 96 97 markets. I mean, we would compete with the today show in certain markets and beat them in Seattle and Detroit. And uh, that was me pretending to be a TV anchor for a couple of years. Um, but I, I did, have left that early and it was always when I recognized that, um, that i wasn't getting personally anything out of it anymore and I was just delivering delivering something that wasn't true to me just echoing echoing the thing and it's time to go and it's like if you're gonna speak to an audience if you're gonna speak if you expect an audience to lean into you and honestly you know share an intimate moment if you're going to be in someone's living room someone's bedroom I don't know where the TV is uh, your phone it's in your pocket I mean that's an intimate thing we're, we're having here so you got to be genuine you're genuine. I know this of you. I, I'm a really good, really good, like that is my expertise is human behavior, judging character. I can see people, I know when people are BSing and when they're not. And you're, you got the thing. That's why you do this. You do this. And I've, I've seen your videos, I've listened to your podcast, I've watched you. It burns in you, right? So you ask yeah. me, well, how do you transition? It stops burning. Well,
2: you know? Lance, take us take us to the place though. Take us to the place because a lot of people don't understand that that part of it. And even with myself, like, hey, there's contract on the table. There's money on the table. Here we go, Lance. This is what you wanted, right? But you were saying I I was in love with the not in love with the light. I was in love with the the other part, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Here's all these things, Lance. Exactly what you wanted. And then Lance mm. goes. <sighs> mm. Take mm. us to that place. What are you feel in emotionally? What, what yeah. are you seeing? Yeah. Um, where are oh, you? It at? Was I mean, is it an office? Is it an email?
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it was I it was with was CMT leaving them was a lot of offices, a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. I mean, it was weird leaving them. I was 30, uh, I was 32, 33 when I 32 when I left them. Um, yeah, 32. And uh, it was strange. It was strange having Viacom call me and say why <laughs> they couldn't believe that. I remember, I remember an executive. He and I, we it heads. A lot. I butted heads with my executives a lot. The secret to me staying at CMT and the HR department told me I had friends, I had moles on the inside. The executives didn't like me. They didn't. Because the executives that were there when I left weren't the executives that hired me. There's lots of change over the top. Let me tell you something about corporate executives. Not all of them. Some of them are great. Some of them are beautiful people that I I hold close to my heart. A lot of executives in the corporate field fail their way forward. Repeat that. They fail their way forward. They messed up here, but your resume is so good. You were, oh, you were in the C-suite. Come on over here. It's not unlike football. Head football coach goes 0-17. Comes head football coach next year, or some other team. What? what? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I had executives that I butted heads with. And the reason I butted heads with them is because I did not fit their ideal of what a TV host is. And I knew that. I didn't fit the mold. I, you know why? Because I knew our audience. I was adapting to the audience, not the executives. And I'll never forget sitting in this guy's office. And he said, Lance, I mean, it was weird. It was like, they were all doing not good cop, bad cop, just a bunch of good cops. Like, come on, stay with us, stay with us. And I was miserable. I was so unhappy personally and just in my life and like what I was doing. And i never forget, he looked over and he pointed to a stack of like file folders. You could see headshots poking out. He goes, that is a stack of actors and personalities that want your job. Look at that. You walk out that door. It's like one of those guys is going to get it. And I was like, well, that's true. But no one in that stack is me. Like, yeah, you're gonna replace me with somebody, but you're not gonna replace me. So you should be thinking along those terms. I I know that sounds cocky and arrogant, but I just was like, I'm taking my talents and going to South Beach. I don't know. I, I just was like, I I'm not here. You said you got what you wanted, you know, in your question. And it was like, I realized I didn't I didn't have what I wanted. I had close i what i wanted was to be an actor that was the thing that always pulled me in always that was my light the cmt thing you know all the other jobs that came along they were the doors that opened along the way and i was happy to take those opportunities but it, they never I was always looking for that thing once i entered that door to be like you are home and as i wasn't home i was just eating snacks while i was in that room And now I'm out that door and I'm on down lights pulling me lights pulling me. So my transition was always just this, like, I looking back on it, it was like many people thought I was foolish for leaving any of these jobs, be it the daily buzz, be it CMT. And, and it was always just like, it's not, it's not you. It's me. I wasn't like, Oh, CMT's gone downhill or Oh, the daily buzz. No, it was always me. It was ending a relationship because I had grown out of it. That was the transition. Yeah. The money's on the table, but if I take it, I'm going to be a slave to this thing that I've built that isn't me anymore. It's going to get, it's going to grow uglier and make me, I mean, I went through a serious depression, man. My transitions weren't easy. The decision to leave was easy, Uh but the transitions came with a sense of, um, of great depression and, and anxiety. Oh my God. My first panic attacks and anxiety. Um, Big, big signs of like, take control, run, go. And and listening to that, and it isn't, <laughs> I wasn't retreating and hiding. I was just getting out of that lane. So, man, transitioning is just, yeah, I was in an office. I was on the phone lots of times, and it was always just voice in the head. This is not you. This is not you.
2: How do you know which voice? Because I have a lot of them. Some of them say, mm-hmm. like, you you should eat some hot dogs today. Some of them <laughs> say you should uh, intermittent fast. Some of them say yeah. you should wake up early. Others say to me, you know what? You deserve to stay in this bed this morning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Lance, you say, you seem to be an incredibly clear dude. How do you know which voice?
0: Hmm. I think maybe that's just it. I think you know what the voices sound like. And I think you know what the, when the voice is, that's, that's not the voice. But you listen to it anyway. You have that snack. You stay in bed. We listen to those voices. But that true voice that you're talking about,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I can't speak for anybody else. Um, and I don't I – don't, I, 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 I like listening to people that have been there. I like listening to the thought leaders and lead, people today that have made great accomplishments and done things that – the only time I, but when I hear them say, you should, this is what you need to do. It's like, ah, I, it's and, and no disrespect to anybody that wants something better for other people that wants to coach them into it. Yeah. But what, you should are the, that's that, those two words to me are nails on a chalkboard. So I, for me, are nails on a chalkboard. So I try not to say, here's what you should listen to, but here's what I listen to. That voice sounds like my mom. That voice is the voice of Leona Smith, who I need to call today. Um, that's my mom's voice. Yeah, my conscience is my mother. I, you know, I've I've never met a human being um, that's as close to what you could imagine an angel to be. Mm-hmm. My mother is the strongest woman I've ever met in my life. I um, I I'd, I'd do things and live in ways that she would disapprove of constantly. Um, <laughs> but those, those are things for me, uh, in my life choices, but in terms of greater choices, larger choices, the, the listening to your heart, it sounds like Leona Smith. And, um, you know, so yeah, I, it's just when you, when you block out all those other voices that you talk about and you find that one true one, it speaks the softest, but is the loudest still. Um, I don't know you just know I auditioned for uh, MTV had this uh, had this uh, contest they want to be a VJ I don't know if you remember that uh-huh. MTV had Absolutely. want to be a VJ they had it uh, two one or two seasons this is in 99, 2000 I had been in LA and I knew that it was coming and closest city to Nashville St. Louis and I flew home I had planned it out I was like I have what it takes to be a VJ I know this, I'm gonna be an MTV VJ. I will be, I mean, it was just how I, I just knew it. Packed my bags, I planned my shtick. I knew every song on the on every channel, every video, every, I was Mr. Pop Culture at 20 years old. And uh, drove to St. Louis, camped out all night, lines of people, MTV's there, make, making hype up, thousands of people. Snake through the line all morning. I've met people. I've gotten to know them. They're like, dude, you got the thing. You got the thing. I've Talked about how I'm going to audition. Get to the front of the line and uh, she's like, uh, license and social security card. And I was like, I don't have my social security card. She said, you have to have your social security card. I was like, well, I have my license. And I said, oh, and here's, like a, here's, a, here's a, um, a check stub <clears throat> from like some acting work I had done. But my social security number's on it. How about that? Woman denied me. I didn't get a chance to audition. And I had been building this up for weeks. I traveled there. I stayed up practically all night, slept in a parking lot with a bunch of people. I didn't get a chance, Kelly. I mean, my, th- this is where my heart's being ripped out. I can take, I've auditioned and gotten no's. I've given terrible auditions and deserve the nose, And I know that, but I've, I didn't get a, I don't. This is my chance. This is my thing. And dude, I mean, I, I the way home, driving home from St. Louis to Nashville, the strangest thing I had the strangest calm about me. And it was this voice like, dude, you're you're still gonna get it. You're you're fine. It's not, it's a, it's nothing. I didn't get a chance to do the, I want to be VJ competition. And four months later, I auditioned for CMT, four months, four months, I auditioned for CMT and I got it. And I auditioned with thousands of people (laughs) and I got it. And it was, and it was that, and I'll never forget the sound of that voice. Um, prior to that, prior to that, I had gotten an opportunity. This is even before all that stuff. Got an opportunity to be a, a, a stand-in for Robert Redford's film. Uh, what was it? I, not the prison. I should I should know the name of this. this is, I'm just remembering this now. He did a prison movie um, in Nashville, and I got a chance to be not his stand-in, be a stand-in for the uh, character that played alongside. And I I had said no to it because of the time commitment. I was like, ah, I feel like there's something else there. And it was that voice again. And uh, and it ended up being the Dixie Chicks audition. And if I'd gotten the stand-in job, I wouldn't have got the Chicks audition. If I didn't get the Chicks, it all, every time that I've gotten big things and I've listened to that voice, it's all because I had found a peace within myself. Now, if I'm kicking rocks and I'm screaming and I'm punching walls, And I'm upset about the doors being shut or what I'm not getting. I don't hear that voice. If I create too much noise in my own head, I don't get to hear that voice.
2: What were the things that uh, Mama Smith either showed you or said to you growing up that helped to be able to foster this type of attitude? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you have, I mean, you've showed in the last 40 minutes that, it's not about the circumstances that you have. It's about the way in which you react to them. But what were some of those foundational things that she, Mm. that she laid, uh, and, and maybe showed or told you?
0: Yeah. You know, her being, I guess my voice, it's like, I guess, it's my conscience in a lot of ways too. Um, know, I grew up in the church. She, she, you know, Sunday school, Bible school, the whole nine. And, uh, that was a big influence of mine. even in high school, um, so mom's very like biblically based, uh, I don't know the specific things she said. I mean, I do remember, and this is biblical. I don't know where I'm not a student of the Bible, but, uh, know some things here and there. Uh, but she said, uh, keep your house in order, get your house in order, get your house in order. And that's, um, and that, you know, and like that literally like clean your house, clean, I'm deal with that. Now I have a six year old, two teenagers, all girls, <laughs> uh, get your house in order. But then that goes on to like, get your affairs in order. Mom was always about like, yeah, you know, we had messy houses. We had messy vans, um, you know, dried French fries, tucked in the cracks, everything. It's, it's not like we were like neat freaks, but mom was very much like, keep, keep things in perspective. And keep yourself ready. I think that's the biggest thing I got from her was keep keep your house in order. And the house is, you know, you can apply that to everything. Your house, this house, this house, this house. Uh, yeah, that I, that echoed a lot. And uh, and you know, we had a lot of changes. We had I didn't have the easiest uh, childhood, but didn't have the hardest either. You know, keep things in perspective. And it was always just, always be ready, always be ready. And mom, my God, that woman. Yeah, always uh, eyes in the Lord, that lady.
2: <laughs> what, was some, what was something that maybe you haven't told her? That, that it, maybe it wasn't a, a thing that she said, but that you watched. And I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Growing up, my parents split up. I, I came home, I got whooped. Uh, my dad, we went to, um, to church, and they said, don't spare the rod. And my dad came home. And was like, he listened to him literally and just whooped yeah. me and my brother because the pastor said, and yeah. I had marks on the back of my leg and my, I was changing. My mom said, what's with marks? And I, I, I said it and my mom snatched us up. We were in the process of moving, but she snatched us up, grabbed a backpack full of clothes, threw us in the car, me and my two brothers, and we took off. And my parents split at the time, and we slept on my uh, mom's friend's couch uh, for about two weeks until she got an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment. Um, We had four people in it at the time and five people later on. But when I saw her do what she had to do at the time she had to do it, it changed my life forever. And it wasn't something that she said. She didn't say, kids, we're going to do this. She just did it. What was a moment like that for you with mama that you saw her and that you still utilize today?
0: Man, uh, I, you know, I, I can't say that there's like one event, there's not a single sort of event that would, that would encapsulate that, but it is the, the sum of her life. And I'll say that because my brother is 10 years younger than I am. And he has what's called Angelman syndrome. Um, Angelman syndrome, it's a depletion of the 15th chromosome, much like down syndrome, you know, has a similar chromosomal, uh, I think there's an additive with chromosome, but with my brother, it's deficiency anyway, it's, it changes the outcome. Uh, but he is developmentally, developmentally delayed. He's 33, uh, 34 now. Um, but he, um, He's a little smaller in stature, but he's much bigger than my mother. Still, my mom is smaller than five feet. She was five feet growing up. I think she's come down a little bit. Love you, Leona. Uh, she knows. <laughs> uh, but she has cared for my brother, as we all have. But I mean, my mom is his world. He can't speak. He's a, he's a, he's like a big two-year-old in a lot of ways. Now he can he can feed himself. You know but he can't exactly take him he can take himself to the bathroom a little bit but he needs assistance I'm, t- I'm giving you this to understand the level of care that he needs he takes a daily medication to block seizures um and he's stubborn as all get out uh because he's my brother and he's the son of jim smith uh we're stubborn us smith boys my parents you know they've been through a lot together they're still together and they raise him but my mom's strength is unmatched. Um, she committed her life to taking care of, not just, well, first of all, you know, in the, in 1989, when he was born in July, um, he, they knew right away that he was going to be severely, severely handicapped. At first there was uh, something called as Prader Willie Prater Willie. That's what they were thinking. Angelman syndrome was not even in the scope of what they were looking at. And then when he was born, he was, they found, oh, he can move. Originally he was supposed to basically be in a vegetative state and that was it. And they, they were determined to go through with the pregnancy. They were offered by a lot of doctors to terminate the pregnancy. And my mom, that wasn't, she, you know, she said, no, we're going, we're going through with this. And they did. And he ended up having, you know, basically when he was born, he's a normal infant, just like all the other infants. It's just his development is what's delayed and eventually it sort of plateaus off. And then his mindset is what it is. He communicates in his own ways by pointing to things. He's big on magazines and iPods and iPads and he can touch stuff. But anyway, my parents knew what they had in front of them and they accepted it and they leaned into it. And he taught me a lot. Um, being 10, 11 years older, I helped raise him. Uh, and he had these severe, you know, needs, these special needs. Uh, He put things in perspective for me. I could never get too high and mighty. Uh, You know, you come home to what your mother's dealing with, who your brother is. Dad's working his butt off doing 16 other jobs. We got through as a team, but mom, it's what she's devoted her life to. And my brother that I can't complain about anything. I mean, just her her devotion to him, her devotion to my father, her devotion to me, but her devotion to my brother is is one of the most I't I can't, I can't even put into words um, how giving and so selfless she is. you know, she's a hero, and and there's so many, so many, many, many mothers out there. Who have special needs children who are just trying to get by every day. You know, they get as much government assistance as possible here and there, but it's never enough. And it is hard. And it it defines your life if you have a special needs child. So uh Yeah, mom, mom's the strongest woman I've ever met.
2: Mm. You just said something about you with your with your bro. What's his name? Taylor. With Taylor, you can't get high and mighty because he brings you right back down to earth, um, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. um, I I refer to it as giving you the business. That's what my wife my Damn. my wife does to me. My son, my daughter, fourteen, she gives me the
0: business. Oh yeah, God bless you.
2: But when you when you were talking about uh, that, you you can't get too high on yourself. Um, take us to the divorce time because that was a time when when we were talking before we uh, started recording that you know you talked about that getting too high kind of was a factor
0: yeah 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 i mean i you know i keep that stuff private that's that's a lot of that's her story and mm-hmm. we're you know we uh it was a tough situation because that's what divorce is mm-hmm. you know um but i many people have it much 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 harder speaking strictly for my side of things um not even about the the you know this illusion of that particular marriage between those people just speaking as the groom in that scenario just me it's like that was a product of this place that I had entered into mentally I had built this thing up um it wasn't fair to her either you know to to have to sort of witness the deconstruction of uh, of Lance, uh, early midlife crisis, perhaps I don't know. Um, I had I had over a decade of 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 being this person that I had had created. It was me, but it was this extension of me, and then still not having, still not having a feeling grounded. It's not having a thing that I felt was real to my heart, to my soul. I was doing a job, but when that job is your face, when that job is your name that's what was tearing me down. And I had to look at it all, not just the job, but what the job gave me and then what the job was providing. And then where I, who <laughs> it's like with that uh, talking head song, you know, this is not my house. This is not my beautiful wife. You know, I like what is going on? Um, so getting to the big D the divorce, that is the hardest thing that I had ever come to not about us not breaking up going through that it is not a breakup it is a life altering thing that's happening um so admitting it getting to like that the realization of that you know for some people that's the band-aid you do it quick and you, you you roll but you know it does it's not that easy you have to process but i will say and to anyone going through it Leading up to it, uh, if you know it's there, yeah, you go through it and you do it. And you, you apply the Band-Aid approach as much as you can. You'll process over time. But what you will find is that it was worth it. And when I say it was worth it, it was because that's what you needed. If you came to the conclusion that this is what you absolutely need, and you, and you're, you're, you, you are a thousand percent, the pain's going to suck. But you get through it and it is what you needed and if it's not what you needed you'd be like my aunt they remarried three times <laughs> um but it, but man the the admission to yourself that you you know that the word failure comes into play mm-hmm. did you fail did you fail yourself you know what i the most guilt I the hardest thing now that i i don't think about the divorce i don't i think about her i mean we she and i were we still talk uh, occasionally, you know, happy birthday message and whatnot. Uh, we both have the lives that we were looking for again, not to speak, uh, on her life, but for me, you know, that's what I have. And you, you think about all the people that were at your wedding. You think about the people that got you gifts. You think about all the congratulatory stuff. What I look back on in hindsight is I had built a life that was expected of me by those in my life, by those around me. I had built the thing up that those that everyone expects that I should have. So I did, I catered to that. I was doing that in my professional life. So personal life too, convincing everyone, including myself. But when you, when you, when you're going through the divorce, you admit it to yourself that you need it long before you could admit it to other people. And it's letting family down. That is the hardest thing mm-hmm. is that you're telling everyone that you would convince the world that this is who I am. This is what I need. And you're saying, ah, I was wrong, but you know what? You weren't in the time. That's that is that, that's where you were at the time. You now have to convince the family and those same groups of people. This is what I need. And you'll find out that they love you just the same. And they'll hug you just the same. And they're happy for you. you probably even more so because you did something for yourself that, you know, you do everything with purpose, right? Divorce with purpose too. Like it's not just about getting at them or slamming doors. If you're doing that, that's not divorce time. You're still working through something. But if you're, if you're admitting that this major thing is done, well then there must be a major thing that's coming next. And you got to do that with purpose too. It's a hard thing, man. <laughs>
2: it is. It is. And when I say it, I'm not coming from a judgment stance. I'm, no. I'm divorced also. I went through those things. and But most of the time, I didn't have a person to sit down and, and have a conversation with yeah. to, that, that understood going through it. Because I grew up with parents that stayed together. I mean, they, they split up at times and came back together and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think in my, my crew... I was the first one. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Now most most of my <laughs> friends were like, "We could have told you on your wedding night that that was going to happen," um, or leading up to it. They, that's what they told me. And you know, yeah. But how do you know when you go through those times? You you talked about a little bit of depression or whatever it is. How do you know not to listen to the depressive voice or the depressed voice? Because when you're in that dark, sometimes the only voice that you're hearing is the dark
0: voice darkness is loud isn't it darkness is so loud uh the light isn't the light is like come to me and they're Like it makes you work for it but the darkness is like <laughs> you are doomed you will never be great at anything no one will ever love you nothing good will come of this why did you even wake up this morning like the darkness is loud and obnoxious yeah. oh man yeah how do you not listen to that um uh, motion, move, get up, do, like that's That's the thing, because the darkness can't move. The darkness can't keep up with you. The darkness is loud, but he's got little bitty legs, and he's he's like, I was, I was talking to you. I was talking to you, and you're like, I'm, I'm running to the light. I'm running to the light. That's how move. That's how you don't listen to the darkness, because the 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 couch, the chips. <laughs> The, the TV, like the thing, like I've been there, been there, move, move. And that, that might literally just be move, run. Running is like mm-hmm. a, it was a life-saving thing to me. I haven't run in a while or, you know, got to get back into it and I can feel it. Um, but I get in, get in my modes, my stages, but if not move, if, if, if exercise ain't your thing, do something and more specifically do something for someone else, Ooh. watch what you do impact someone and that doesn't mean like oh i've i now need to be a philanthropist it's like with your ten dollars in your pocket no um no you don't it doesn't mean you like always need to be in service to people like we should but like that you know to help someone
2: hey, to go go into that part because when you send me of the philanthropist with ten dollars in your pocket, I think a lot of times people are like I need to really do something, so I'm gonna start a foundation. Well, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna just ask other people for money. What? Yeah. Like go get a job. Go get a job yeah. and do something. But, but talk about that. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. That that made me belly laugh right now. I just got your services. Is-
0: <laughs> Good. Your, <laughs> service, your service is far more valuable there's always a need for you to do what you do quit wallowing it's hard to listen to that if you're in a depressive state it's hard to hear any kind of hey let's go get them motive no one wants to hear that when you're sad you want more sadness when you're sad you listen to sad songs um because i don't know it makes you feel maybe not <laughs> re- that sad uh <laughs> but it's just do it it's that whole like putting one foot in front of there, like, like learning to walk as a toddler. Like they just sort of trust they're going to catch themselves or all head first. Like that's how you might be in your first service activity, or that's how you might be doing anything. I'm going to get involved in something and you're going to look like a toddler walking. You're going to look like a little drunk human the, dropping things. And, and it's going to be awkward. But in, the, in hindsight, you're like, Oh, look what I did. Look, look how far I've come you know, and if it's only off the couch, great, you made it that far. Um, so again, the darkness is loud and it is obnoxious, but it can't, it does not, it can't keep up with you. If you're moving, if you're making any effort to move forward, you're leaving it behind. So that's the best way I know how to deal with, with, with that sort of thing. And then, yeah. And if it's not money, I mean, yeah, you can, you may want to listen to like all the motivational speakers and all the, Prosperity guys, and and here's what you do: get get involved and get money and do this and money and do this and money and like yeah, th- that can be motivating. <laughs> you gotta have a plan to want to do something with it. Um, and if you're not in that space yet, who's doing it, and what can you, how can you help them? You know, they got the money and they're doing something. They're the philanthropists. Offer your services. Your service will will pull you out of any kind of any kind of rut, um, even if it's not anything related to what you want to be doing. Um, it's just action, just motion. Be like a shark. Sharks, you know, they always. Although I've seen sharks sit at the bottom and sleep. I know what they say about <laughs> they die. You know what? Well, you know the metaphor. <laughs> I've seen lazy sleeping sharks.
2: <laughs> so, so, Lance, your your movie is called "A Time for Every Purpose." Okay. Some people have a challenge with this. It might be this guy because when I say this. Whenever I hear a purpose or I see a vision, like God gives me a plan, I'm like, cool, let's make it happen now. And mm-hmm. what you're saying to me is that there's a time for every purpose. Now, I I, I don't like this because <laughs> I, I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing. Awesome. But the fact that I don't get what I want when I want it, Lance, help yeah. a brother out.
0: Yeah. Yes because it's not it's not your time like everything in (laughs) life we look back on and it all happened when it was supposed to you know america was founded in 1776 not 1376 you know all the everything in history it all lays out so perfectly doesn't it so why not now for my life why doesn't it why can't i read forward the same way and you know the way i see that and the way we constructed the movie and the story this was a story that was written by my friend quentin uh Quentin McCary and he then had someone turn it into a script and then it came my way and I was like we're close but there's even more to 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 pull out here and what we did with this story was try to you know we have these four individuals who are going through this each they're going through individual crises crises um and they're all different you know we have a pastor struggling with his uh his ability to lead a congregation we have a teenager in high school who's gone through a tragedy and he can't get over it because of how everyone looks at him and it's his connection to it we have a single mother who who has defeated her demons who's who's but he's back this her former abuser is back and she's got to deal with him again i thought i had she's joined the church she's turned her life around she's clean but then here he is again with his magic bag of drugs and um and uh, the, and then a a veteran with ptsd a war veteran who served in Afghanistan and cannot, the war will not escape his mind. He can't leave behind. So we have all these people dealing with stuff and it's a lot of why me, why now, why me, why now? And so when we talk about a time for every purpose and it's, you know, of course extrapolated from Ecclesiastes three, one, um, where, you know, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. Of course, the Pete Seeger song, turn, 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 which the birds made. And we all know, we all know the song. All the movie is about and all that, to me, that that verse is about and that phrase, the saying, a time for every purpose is not, you got to wait on it. That's where people get it wrong because waiting on it ain't going to get you there. It's the movement and you got to deal with what you got to deal with because who you are is waiting for you on the other side of what you have to deal with. You'll discover your purpose when you get through what you got to get through. It's, it's there for you. Some people have to go through absolute horrendous situations. And it's, it wasn't written for them. It's not fateful. It's just where they are. But if you can survive this, wait till you see who you're going to be on the backside of this. And so that's what a time for every purpose is. It's like You're not waiting on the purpose to come to you. You have to get emotion to go to it. And what's where it is is always on the other side of some adversity, adversity small and large. Some people's adversity is, you know, paying off a student loan. Some people's adversity is a day to day. You know, we don't all have like, oh, I'm, you know, in this film. It is a bit of a soap opera. Is, these are outlandish problems. It's a movie. You know, we gotta, we gotta like push your buttons a little bit. We got it's got to be extreme. But some people's lives, you know, it's it's it may be small, relatively but pain is relative. And so whatever you're dealing with in your life, you know, maybe it doesn't seem as bad as what your friend or your neighbor is dealing with. Maybe you, you've got a really comfortable income and you feel guilty about feeling like this thing that I'm dealing with is, is an adversity, but it is, it's your adversity. It's your adversity right now. And if you just wait for it to disappear, it probably won't. And you're not going to discover who you are on the other side. Therefore, you're not going to get your purpose yet. And what your purpose will eventually become will be whatever you became of you in this moment of sitting still. So that to me is what it's about. It's about battling through, mm. getting through the thing and that your purpose is on the other side. And then there is the time. For every purpose a time the time is when is it, is it has arrived but you have a part in that you have a part in that you have to face it head on hell or high water win lose or draw you know what if you take it on and you fail well then, that, then therein lies your purpose now <laughs> what do you what are you what are you learning from it now you didn't get it okay what's in front of you now what are your circumstances now what is your environment now because you say that failed well are you sure that that was your purpose no you know why were you so sure that was it mm. why were you so sure that was it you'll discover it in its right time <laughs> and you'll know then you'll know that's why it's like my audition for for mtv you know happened that failed and i had that voice you'll be fine You know, the, the stand-in job. Nah, I don't think that's it. It was the Dixie Chick's job. That happened. Um, you know, CMT, I, I was losing my mind because I had, I felt I had to constantly then give in to this Frankenstein monster that I created. And I I had this piece and I found myself. And then, and, and this is for finally for me, and this is where I feel like I've hit my stride is at 45, this whole time, that light, that light, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. Yeah. I'll host right now, but I'm still an actor. an actor. I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. No, dude. I was a director the whole time. I started teaching acting six, seven years ago, and it was my friends. A friend of mine came to me and said, I've got this script. I've got about 5,000 bucks for a pilot. It's like, uh, you know, would you direct it? I'm like, directing? I don't like it about directing. I said, yeah, you do. You direct actors. And that's what directing is. And I felt intimidated because what do I know of? I know a lot more now, but you know, what do I know of cameras and and, and lenses? and? And I learned, I learned on the job, but my what I'm an expert in is human behavior. What I'm an expert in is directing actors and drawing out truth and creating moments. And I was, everything that I've been doing in class, I started applying to this and then I directed a short. And then I, a friend of mine was like, hey, I got a production company, I need to do some commercials, will you direct them? Yeah, I started directing commercials. And then in 21, uh script came along, opportunity came along, angel investor came along, we got about a quarter million dollars budget had a a bunch of extra soft equity and in the process of making a time for every purpose the the process of making the film too like we had so many incidents where it's like there's no way this is lining up there's no way i had atheists working on the on the film i'm a bit i grew up in the church but i I, i'm a bit of a doubting thomas i don't lie (laughs) i am but i but i lean forward and i push and i keep i yearn i search i ask questions but the making of this film I had atheists working on it coming to me and go, "Are you going to make me a believer?" I'm like, "I might try, man. Just <laughs> just stay stay with this." And dude, coming out of this film, not only am I like, "Oh yeah. I'm not an actor. I'm a director. I'm a storyteller." And all this career and this life that I've lived and this study of human behavior on my own time at six and seven years old and at 13 years old and at 17 and 20 and 25, all the way through learning the business. It's all, it's all an amalgamation of what I do now. And now I'm like my entire life at 45, I'm like the end of an M. Night Shyamalan film. Like, oh, he was a ghost the whole time. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, I was a director the whole time that's where I'm at now, Kelly. And, and it's exciting. Um, but it is all this, a time for every purpose stuff. The fact that the film is this, I didn't, I didn't write the title. I didn't, I didn't come up with the story. I rewrote the dialogue, but like, and that's where I got to infuse my personal faith. That's where I got to infuse my story, my own thing. Um, but it was a collaborative effort. And, and this movie is like such a, a signal of my own personal journey and it's none of it's about me <laughs> it's wild
2: there was a line in the movie um by uh, I believe it was the sing- the single mom she said how do I stay in the uh, this town when everybody wants me to leave
0: oh yeah Reggie's mom yeah yeah
2: and so yeah. when I when I heard that and now I hear your story Help me to understand, because a lot of times people that are at a crossroads are going through that place where everyone in the in their town or in their place is wanting them to leave and telling them, you should leave, you should leave, you should leave. And yeah. she's asking, uh, you know, she was asking someone, how do I stay
0: mm-hmm. when yeah.
2: everyone's telling me to leave?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, that kind of, that crowd... Why are they saying it? You know, why, why, what, what, for what reason? And what are you doing? Are you, is your job, is your mission, is your purpose to push back against them? Are they your mission? What are you, or, or is your mission just whatever it is you're doing? And that their response would be a reaction to what it is you're doing. But your mission isn't them and your mission isn't pleasing them, whatever them is. You know, this is all metaphor, of course, we're speaking, yeah. but yeah, if you're in it, if you're in a situation where it's like, you feel unwanted. Why do you want to be there? Are you do you want yourself there? And if you come to the answer, no, I'm in the right place. It is a it's a balance of tuning them out. Why are they? Why are you letting them affect you? You know why could they be saying they don't want you here? Why are you not wanted? Um, and if you if you don't know that, if, it, if it, then don't spend any more like. It's just one of those things. Like, oh, did I did I do something? Did I knock over something in the room? Did I? Then, if your answer, if you know that there it's just because there's like it's just negative, it's just social, it's just, it's petulant, it's uh, I, that is one area I, I it's okay to be, um, I don't say arrogant, <laughs> but I, I look down on people, I, I, not all people, I look down on people not because I'm bigger than or better than they just got real small and I can't help that you're down there. I can't help that I have to look down. You made it that way. You know, like, Oh, like, they're your disposition. Like I, I might hear it. I might weigh it, but like, Oh, you're just, you're just being a child or you're, you have no idea what you're talking about. Now I will say that there's a common instinct and this is something that took me God decades of my life to get over. And this just comes with life experience. But the hardest part of growing up for me as a teenager, and then I extended this into my career, and this is where I sp- would spin my wheels a little too much, was my need <clears throat> to prove to other people that I was XYZ. I need you to see me like this. I don't know if I really am like this, but I need you to see me this way. I need to constantly know that you know that I am XYZ. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because are you? And why do you care? Why is the mission their vision of you? Your mission should be the thing that you're building or making or turning yourself into. Their vision of you will be will be automatic. They will see what you're doing as you do it, when you do it, and when you're done. But all of that that stuff is like, oh, your focus is on their focus. Your focus is on their gaze. Your Focused on them. When I coach, I I, when I coach actors or hosts, I I coach a lot of people. I coach public speaking, I coach CEOs, and again, I do all the wrong things. I break the rules. I'm a bad public speaker on paper because I do all the things that Toastmasters says not to do. That's fine. That's just me. It's how I roll because my thing is truth. And I I discovered when I was working with CEOs and just how to deliver keynote speeches or whatever, you know, do corporate stuff. And I'm working with actors. The thing that I found when I'm coaching these people or athletes, I work with athletes a lot, getting them, you know, uh, you know, uh, media, media training, media ready. Um, Non-performers, I have to get them to perform. I'm like, oh, you, you got an audience here. They're, they're, they, you, This information that you have, you have to have a need to get it out. It has to matter to you first, and then you say it. If you say it before it matters to you, it's not going to matter to them. They're not going to hear it. It has to matter to you first before it comes out of your mouth. It has to move your soul before it does anything in your body and leaves your, your mouth via your voice or your eyes. You communicate not just with your voice or your body. It, like I speak this way because I believe what I'm saying. It has to matter with actors. I have to get them to stop performing because it's not about truth. It's about you, right? It's about you. So you have to get to the truth of the message. So you, your folk, if your focus is on the perception, what are you doing? Oh, well I'm, I'm imagine if race car drivers were just worried about what the crowd watched. Do I look good driving this car? Do I look nice? Do I look cool? (laughs) right? You'd wreck. You'd miss the first turn. You take everybody out. You would suck at race car driving. You've got to focus on the road. Let them, let them watch, but you got to focus on the road. So, you know, um, detractors, naysayers, the, 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 the voices, the, what are you doing it for? What are you in it for? Why are you doing this? And again, that went back to what we talked about earlier. Why I made the changes. Oh, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of this now? You know? But if you're doing this, oh no, cause I need to make this thing, but I'm just so worried about what they see me doing. Uh, okay. Well you, your need is to make the thing. Your need is not to worry about them. That's it, man. That is it. You know, I, we, when we made the film and we put it out, I was like, it's a, it's a faith-based movie. It's a Christian quote unquote Christian film, but it is not typical. It has some language in it. And, uh, we didn't do that to be to be outlandish. We didn't do it to be brazen in any way. We didn't do it we, we did it just because this is the story and this is the way this character talked in this scene. And that's it. And we're just being just honest. Um and I, I i I could have puked the night that we premiered it for the cast and crew and friends and family and and this is how i know what i'm doing what i am meant to be doing because i care i care more about this than anything i've ever cared about in my entire career i've been on television for over two decades i've been on live television in front of millions i've done major major things and interviewed you know all major celebrities and i like done big 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 stuff kelly i never wanted anybody to watch i did what i did like the peak of my time on television was just before Instagram was taken off. I remember in 09, uh, I at the end of the episode of Top 20 I did, I told my, my producer, I was like, hey, I want to put in a little something script. And I said uh, to the crowd, I said, hey, uh, Twitter's a new thing now. Um, my show, my old handle was at Lance Smith Show. And I was going to do more with it. I found it to be what it is, a way to engage the audience in a more direct way instead of just the vertical website or whatever. And I put it out there and I remember the executive word got back to me that he was in the watch now before it went out to broadcast. And he was like, Twitter, what is this? Is, what are you to put it? To, no, it's stupid. going it to put the Twitter handle on a. He thought they thought it was ridiculous, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Um. Anyway, I'm sorry I, I go off on a million tangents, but <laughs> I I was done, uh, and and social media wasn't. It was about to take off, um, but I was at a point where. I was doing all these shows and I was on the number one rated show on the network, but I didn't want anybody to watch. Um, Not that I would be like, I would deter them from watching. It's not not that I was ashamed of what I did, but I didn't, I didn't have this like, look at me factor. I didn't, I wanted the job. I wanted the host. I wanted the career, I wanted the paycheck. I wanted to do the gig. I loved crews. I loved the camaraderie. I love f- the making of TV and film. Like it's all so fun and wow and amazing. And yeah, I'll, I'll host cause I can do that. I'm good on the in the spotlight, but I wanted to wear someone else's face, you know? I wanted to put on. And so I didn't want people to watch. So to bring this all circle back around to my film career and this this movie, I was, I was, I was sick to my stomach launching this thing. Cause I cared about what people thought. Not, 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 do I want them to think it's good, but did, did I, did I move you or did I not? Did I steal 96 minutes of your life or did I move you? Um, and it, it mattered to me more than any other show I'd ever hosted wow. more than any other opportunity I ever had is the release of this film. And like, we don't have any money behind marketing and it's going to do whatever it's going to do. And I, you know, I hope that it picks up a grassroots swell and people like it, but it, I realize, like, Oh, this matters to me, not for the pat on the back and not for the recognition, but did I connect? Did I really connect? Because the irony now is that I finally have a job, not on camera, not doing this. I got a job behind camera that I feel like I have an ability to Reach you more than I ever did when I was speaking directly on camera with a mic. Speaking, doing this right now, I can. I I have a chance to like move an audience more behind the camera, and so this this now is like, oh, I'm in my, I'm I'm in my my seat. This is (laughs) this is this is my role.
2: Well, it's amazing because you even see it in you. Like if you're watching right now on YouTube, um, you can see, like like you changed when you began to talk about it. It it was incredible. Lance, I started the uh, podcast because of my kids, Um, Maddox and McKenna. Maddox is a little football player. He's a huge fan of the Titans. Um, We've raised him right. Um, Good man. He marches to the beat of his own drum. This kid is like, he's like a cartoon character. Um, Yeah. And then my daughter, who's an uh, aspiring actress, uh, she, and she's in the arts, and she's, she's an incredible uh, young lady, 14. My son is 12. And oh, awesome. I started the podcast because of them, because I didn't want them to worship idols. I just wanted them to be inspired by icons like yourself. Yeah. And I wanted to show them that the Lance Smiths of the world, that face of CMT, the uh, host of the uh, the Daily Buzz the voice of the fans for the Tennessee Titans. Yes. MC of the Dixie Chicks, actor, producer, um, director, all these things. It's not because of what he does. It's because of who he is. And so Mm -hmm. what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if he could use both their names, it would be
0: awesome. Maddox and McKenna, you guys are, first of all, quite lucky that you have a dad who loves you, and cares about you, but cares about people, cares about life, cares about this mission that we're on. Um, it, it, you guys, Maddox and McKenna, and every 12 and 14-year-old, everyone in between, you guys are dealing with a world we never envisioned. You know, I would mentioned the social media aspect of it. That is life-altering. Our species, our human species, this animal that we are, we are not equipped to handle the connections that exist via that phone in your pocket the phone's changed everything it is everything it is it is connects us to everyone in the world it is a movie studio it is an audio studio it is it is all things and we are tied to it and it is a tool but it is just that and in that tool it can unlock a lot of doors and it can open you up to a lot of experiences but you have to remain self-aware you need to distance yourself as much as you can from being too connected to those bubbles, to being too connected to those crowns. There's, there's an intoxication with, with going viral. Eh, we want our message out, but is it the message we want out or is it us? And so at your age, you're inundated with all the messaging of cool and all the messaging of now and all the messaging of of measuring yourself to unrealistic standards and if you stay that way and you stay constantly in the shadow of the great ruler and i mean that as a measuring stick you know if you stand in that place years from now you won't have a foundation and you won't know who you are but the quicker the quicker and sooner you understand who you are as a person and that you don't have it all figured out, and that you're not supposed to. I think that's a the, the big thing that tricks us up is that we we feel like we're just trying to live and go to get to this place where it's, we finally we're like, okay, I figured it out. Okay, I've got everything. I'm at a place of having it all figured out by knowing that I don't have it all figured out. And oh, I had wished that I had learned that sooner. So know that you don't know everything. Know that you only know what you know right now, and. Um, that the, the, the outside voices do not carry the weight that you think they do. And just like the darkness voice, run, move, do something. And those voices fade because they don't travel. They're just loud in the moment when you sit still. Um, so know who you are, be, be self-aware and, and know what you, not what you want to do. You don't have to know what you want to be when you grow up. I didn't know I want to be a film director. I just <laughs> found myself later. Great. But know know whatever light that is right now no then let it pull you and get involved stay involved my i have teenagers 17 14 year old girls and uh i i i can't i can't imagine growing up today with what all you have to deal with you have to learn to shut it off you Have to learn to turn it off and uh find find what moves you now and and watch them watch <laughs>
2: Lance, you have been uh, better than advertised, and I tell you, like, oh, my, I'm, I'm smiling. My face is hurting right now because I'm smiling so much because the the consistency and congruency of your message, and for me, what was not what was nuts for me is that path that you talk about that's not, you know, you're not going to have this thing that you look at, and you're just going to go directly to it, and you're, you're proof of that. But for me, the reason why I connected with you right off the bat is you were the voice of the fan of the, the fans of the Titans. And when I reached out to you at first, I was like, oh, man, that would be so cool to be able to sit and talk about Titans. And now I have a conversation with a friend that is very little about the greatest team that's ever been, which is the Titans. And we're going to end up... Um, 12 and four or 13 and four 13 and four we'll have a good run 13 and four that's how we'll do it but it's it's amazing because that message is through this conversation of for me I thought it was one way I thought it was a certain result that was going to happen um but it had very little if anything to do with that and had to do with more things that needed to hit me right now where I'm sitting and where I'm at in my life and I just I want to thank you for that man
0: yeah, man, absolutely. Look, man, life is, life is worth living. And, uh, but it's, it's, that's an, that's an active verb living. Um, and you know, you gotta, you gotta be open. You gotta, you gotta to hear those, those messages and let them, you know, if you hear somebody say something, does it, does it affect you? Let it, let it reverberate. That's, that's, that's why I make films. That's why I do this stuff. It's like, what, how can you, I love it when you can move an audience and make them not tell them something make them question something make them look within and i love conversations like this kelly i mean like you do this podcast because this is who you are this is you know your your mission for joy and purpose and uh you know and then it's like what a what a what an amazing role model you are for your kids in that regard
2: thank you thank you yeah
0: yeah you yeah, I mean it's. You knew what you wanted when you wanted, it and you've gone after. Do you feel like you, through the course of these interviews, that has changed you in ways that you didn't expect?
2: It has because I think that uh, when I first set out, I was like, "Man, I want to go get the biggest names, and then people mm-hmm. will watch, and then I'll see the, the amount of views." And what I realized throughout all of it is, you know, it it was about me hearing a message of. You know, like today, when you were talking about the audience, you know, connecting with the audience, asking them questions, and not putting on this facade or not trying to go viral in it, but the fact that I know, like this conversation today, if it, if it meant that I had this conversation and no one else heard it in the world, it would be worth it.
0: Worth it to me then. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so that, yeah. that part, I've, I've learned that over time and um, I've learned that I, what I expect is generally never going to happen, but yeah. it's going to be so much better if I allow the thing that was supposed to happen too. So, um, yeah. you know, I want to, I want to thank you at the highest level, man. I'm going to force you to be my friend. Um, I, that was the time where I want to thank all the the audience members for helping us, uh, you know, watching, listening, sharing. And, Subscribe on YouTube because my son thinks I'm cool if I have more subscribers. He's Maddox, and he, he asks me all the time, Dad, how many subs you got? And um, But I want to thank you for helping us to get into the top 1% globally. We didn't focus on it. What we focused on was uh, bringing you quality people like Lance that have done amazing things but is an even better person. So I want to thank you, Lance. I'm going to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life. Um, done. I want you on the show again, man. Uh, as many times as we possibly can. And before we go, a time for every purpose, a time for every purpose, a time for every purpose. You need to watch this movie. You need to share this movie because honestly, like when you see Lance and he talks about it and it comes from his heart, we need more things like that in the world that are coming from people's heart as opposed to what they think will sell.
0: Thank you, man. I, that, that means a lot that you say that because that's really how we did it. I mean, we put this thing together and there was never, we never talked, we didn't talk about distribution. We didn't, talk, in fact, like in hindsight, if, if we did anything wrong, we maybe should have considered marketing and distribution. <laughs> um, but we, it was so important to my friend, Quentin, who, who came up with the story. And then in turn, it was important to me rewriting the story, you know, keeping, Pieces there, but we were never like ah, oh, we're gonna sell the movie. It was never a financial thing. Um, and and in that hindsight of me, like oh, I never wanted anybody to watch anything I did because I was always self conscious. I was always like ah, it's not about me, you know. And now I'm like no, I I do want people to see this movie. It it <laughs> it, it does affect people. It has purpose. It's not just entertainment. And and I you know we we put so much into it, not to be a huge hit we put so much into it because the story was genuine we put so much into it because we were like this this just needs to be as truthful and real as possible we need to give this as much integrity as we can and we did I feel like we did I feel like we we hit what we aimed for and uh, and so thank you. It means the world for me to, to hear you say that. And yeah, time for every purpose. Uh, look it up. Search all video on demand, Amazon, Apple Plus, <laughs> you name it. Um, search it, and uh, even YouTube movies. I think they do. It's it's available. And then hopefully after its first, uh, I think it's a ninety day window. You know, there's talk of, you know, maybe a small theater run, or maybe it'll land on one of the big streamers. We'll see. But oh, I lost. Am I still here?
2: That's okay. You're you're still oh, here, man. I wanna my... I wanna. I want to thank you so much because um, what you've been able to bring to the podcast today has been absolutely phenomenal, Uh, better than advertised. And, uh, oh, you are back and you're handsome too, man. Um, (laughs) But I I want to thank you so much, man. And, uh, and thank again, the audience. And I want to tell you that you're officially off the hot seat.
0: Kelly, you, uh, Kelly, you were awesome. This was really fun. This was like this lifted up. I'm going to like the rest of the week. I'm. (laughs) Come <laughs> on.